Yeah, God is good. Definitely on this weekend of Thanksgiving and thankfulness, we have a lot of things to be thankful for. And I can tell you one thing, one thing I definitely can be thankful for. I feasted good on Thursday. I have to admit, I overate just a little bit, just a tad. But it was definitely a good Thanksgiving. I hope it was a great Thanksgiving for you. And you know, as we celebrate this holiday of Thanksgiving, it all started a long time ago, and very little is known about the events that took place on the very first, first Thanksgiving. What we do know is that the pilgrims held the first Thanksgiving to celebrate the success of a fall harvest, of a great fall harvest that they had. And this whole tradition was an English tra tradition that they brought over when they came to this new land. And at that time, there was a lot to celebrate. At the first Thanksgiving, there were 53 pilgrims in attendance, and they were the only colonists to survive what was the long journey on the Mayflower to get over to this new land and the first winter that they experienced. So you see, in that first winter, in that first time that they had, disease and starvation struck down half of the original 102 colonists that came overseas to this new land. So they had a lot of hardships and disappointments. And these pilgrims, these 53, made it through that first winter with the help of their friends from the local Native American tribe. They had a good supply to get through the next winter. So these pilgrims, along with these 90 new friends of theirs from the Native American tribe, feasted and celebrated their thankfulness. You know, the story always gets me. Because here are men and women who struggled just to survive, just to get through the next day, just to get through the next week, just to get through the next winter. And that first year in this new land, they experienced great heartache and disappointment. But yet here they were because of the way God provided, they showed their thankfulness that they can get through the next winter. You see, this story of history is all about being content. It's all about the ability to be thankful. And that's what contentment does. Contentment leads towards thankfulness. And the question is, how often do we live our life in content? How often are we truly thankful? It just seems that in our culture, we're never satisfied, are we? We're never satisfied. We're never content. Thankfulness is so far-fetched at times because we want the next best thing, the greatest new toy or, or electronic that comes out. We're never satisfied. Just think about it for a moment. After a holiday where we celebrate our gratitude and thankfulness, we, we wake up the very next day for another huge holiday called Black Friday where we reveal the reality that, you know what? I really was not thankful because I want the next greatest and latest thing that's out there anyways. And we just go in this cycle. You know, Black Friday has created some really amazing stories and some insane moments that retailers shared over, over, over and over again. In fact, a recent article in People.com shared a story on the most insane Black Friday stories that they've found. Want to hear some of them? Well, first of all, one store employee watched an elderly man steal an ice cream maker out of the wheelchair of another elderly person. 
Boy, watch out for those ice cream makers. Another, at another location, a store employee watched a woman completely collapse in hysterics into, her, into the store manager's arms. Why? Because they did not have the exact cooler model that she was looking for. I mean, she's got to find her cooler, right? At a Best Buy, a person actually called 911 and had the police come to the Best Buy because they refused to price match what she wanted. Yep. At another store, a retail worker saw two male customers get into a physical altercation over, get this, a crock pot. And in fact, one of the male customers used the crock pot to knock the other man out. Man, those crock pots, you can't pass those things up. At another store, there was a sale for towels for $1 per towel. And this guy jumped into the towel bin, claiming all the towels were him, and literally growled at everybody that came close to grabbing a towel. <laughs> Finally, last one. One store had people outside their doors for 10 hours waiting for the store to open up because of all their great um, sales that had mostly on the electronics. But the very first person in line who waited the absolute longest for those doors to open, all she wanted, get this, was the buy one, get one candles. Really? Really? You know, we always find ourselves struggling with being content, with truly being satisfied. We always want the next latest and greatest thing. And today, as we continue this message series, four prayers that we rarely pray, how often do we just stop and pray, thank you. God, thank you for all the ways you've come through for me. Thank you for all the good things you've provided for me. Thank you for always being there. You see, so often if you're like me, because I wrestle with this too, my friends, if you're like me, we tend to spend more of our prayer life focused on what we feel we need or want rather than just stopping and saying, God, thank you. Thank you. You know, the question today is, how can I truly become grateful? In my personal life, in my personal journey, how can I truly become grateful in who I am? The Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18, these words. He said, to rejoice always, to pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You see, this is the characterization of our life in Jesus, what it should be. These three commands each emphasize actions that should be ongoing in your life. They should never stop. As followers of Jesus, these three actions should be the norm of our life. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. But how often do you find yourself living a life that just rejoices? Just rejoices. One of my favorite bands, Christian bands of all time, is Audio Adrenaline. They had a song called Rejoice. 
And back in the early 2000s, they made a music video on this song. And it was very an interesting and eye-opening video because what they did in the song, they started from their home in Tennessee, driving all the way to New York City and just asked people a simple question, what makes you rejoice? And remember and realize this was right after 9-11 that they did this. And I can only remember all the things that people said. In fact, one person even commented to them and saying, what makes you think I'm rejoicing? And how often do we live our life that way? With a mindset that what makes you think I'm rejoicing? What really is there to rejoice about? But God says, Paul writes, in our life we should rejoice always. What this means is to have an attitude that is not affected by the circumstances that we face. There's something deeper within us that causes us to rejoice, not what we just experienced last night. He says to pray continually, that constant prayer should be evident in our life. This is a complete dependence on God. And giving thanks is the reality of God's goodness that he provides both as the present and the future. He's always there taking care of us. And what Paul says, don't miss this in this verse. Paul says rejoice, prayer, and giving thanks is God's will for your life. How often in your journey have you asked God, what is your will for me? And when we ask God that question, in reality, what we're asking is God to answer about 2% of his will in our life. But you want to know what 90% of his will for your life is? To rejoice always, to pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. That is his will for your life. But what tends to be the norm in so many of our lives is that we allow negative attitudes to consume us because of the circumstances we face, because we allow life to beat us down, or better yet, we find ourselves just not satisfied in our life. And so we allow negative attitudes to consume our hearts, our minds, and our life. And what tends to happen for so many of us is we become perfectionists. We have perfectionist attitudes in our culture, and all that does is kill the ability of gratitude. That's what it does for us personally. In the poem, Paradise Lost by John Milton, it's written, the mind is its own place, and in itself can make a heaven of hell, a hell of heaven. You know, everyone experiences at some point in our journey negative thoughts from time to time. Every one of us. But how we manage those negative thoughts makes a big difference between our ability to have confidence or fear, hope or despair, victory or defeat, gratitude or dissatisfaction. There have been many studies that have revealed that negative attitudes can really destroy us emotionally, spiritually, and even physically. It just beats us down, and it all starts in your mind. You know, from his book, How to Let Go of Negative Thoughts and Emotions by Preston Nee, he provides some very interesting, common negative thoughts that unhappy people tend to have. 
You know, those thoughts that unhappy people tend to have are self-defeating talk. You're constantly talking bad about yourself or, or talking negatively about yourself and beating yourself down. Or you have negative assumptions. You never see the good. You always assume the worst. You compare yourself with other people all the time, just bringing the negativity about what they have versus what you feel you don't have. You allow the past to destroy you. You see, we should learn from the past, but we should not be stuck in the past. But what tends to happen is we just allow our past to consume us and destroy us. We are disempowered by difficult people in our life. We tend to blame others. We struggle with truly forgiving ourselves when we make mistakes or when we, when we fall short or the fear of failure and making mistakes just consume us. And before you know it, one of these normal attitudes of unhappy people just consumes us. And all we have in our life are negative attitude. But you know where negative attitudes really begin? It begins in your mind. It all begins in your mind. Henry Ford put it this way. Whatever you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. You're absolutely right. You see, bad attitudes affect us personally. And it affects those around us in so many ways ways. I see it so often in my personal life. There are days when I come home and life is good and everything's wonderful and I walk in and, and we have a wonderful night at home. But there's some of those days when life just does not go the way I want it to, when the day is just bad. I have a bad day at work. I have a bad situation I had to deal with, whatever it might be. And I come home, to be honest with you, I come home with a bad attitude. And I walk into our door and there's my wife and our boys and they're all happy and chippy and life go luck and happy go lucky and dad walks in and all dad then does from that point on is bring his bad attitude into the house and before you know it what I see is my attitude just destroyed everybody's attitude in that house how often do you have a story like that I'll be honest I have it too often sometimes bad attitudes can really destroy not just us but those around us. I mean, in all reality, are you a glass half empty or a glass half full type of a person? How do you view life? You know, like we mentioned last week, we can't change the circumstances we face, but we have full control of our attitude. You have control over how you respond. You have control over the attitude that you have. One of the things that my family and I did over our Thanksgiving break is we went to the movies to watch the, one of the greatest Christmas classics of all time, The Grinch. Great movie if you're looking to go see it. I loved it. Always loved those movies. And I always loved the actual book. And did you know the actual Grinch book starts out with this line, every who down in Whoville liked Christmas a lot, but the Grinch who lived just north of Whoville did not. How often do you find yourself like the Grinch? Completely miserable in life. Completely unsatisfied. And all you see is joy that other people have and it just, it just makes you more disappointed and more unhappy. Sometimes maybe every one of us are half glass empty types. I think at some level we all are, aren't we? I'll be honest, I am sometimes. And sometimes it's the attitude that destroys me. 
And we can't allow that to consume us or knock us down. You know, it just seems like sometimes life just doesn't go our way. It doesn't go the way we hoped it to. It doesn't go the way we prayed it for. Whatever it might be, it just doesn't go our way. And we ask God, God, what is your plan? What is your direction? What is your will in my life? What do you want? But you know what God's will is? Jot this down. God's will for our lives is to be completely dependent upon him so that we can experience all the goodness that he provides. Rejoice always. Pray continually. And give thanks in all circumstances. You see, our ability to rejoice and give thanks is all intertwined with our ability to pray. In other words, our ability to be completely dependent upon him. There we find the ability to rejoice and give thanks. Why? Because our joy does not come from my own makings. It comes from him and him alone. That's God's will, is that we can be completely dependent on him and we find the goodness that only he provides. So where does your joy come from? Where do you find happiness? You know, oftentimes we struggle with joy because we feel in some way that God let us down. We feel that God has disappointed us. He did not come through the way that we prayed. He did not come through the way that we wanted him to. And so we become disappointed with him. I mean, be honest with yourselves. Do you feel like God has let you down in your life? In some level, I bet we all do, we feel like God has let us down. But think about this. Did God let Joseph down as he spent 40 years in slavery in prison? Did God let Moses down and the entire Hebrew nation down when they spent 40 years hungry and thirsty wandering through the desert? Did God let David down as he slept in cold, lonely caves as Saul tried to take him out? Did he let them down? Does God let us down? Does God disappoint? You see, I don't believe he does. I believe while life lets us down, life disappoints us, God always comes through. He always comes through. But we should define what we mean by that. What do we mean by God always comes through? Because there is a difference between God coming through based upon what we want and God coming through based upon what we need. And we struggle with confusing those two. You know what ultimately God desires for us? For us to be completely dependent upon him so that we can rejoice and give thanks in all circumstances because of what he provides but we get disappointed in him because we want him to give us what we want in this world. He's saying, you're missing it. That's all you want? That's all you want? I got something so much better for you. How about you find your ability to rejoice? How about you find your joy in me, not in that? That's ultimately what God desires. You know, several years ago, I went on a missions trip to Haiti. And I'll never forget when we first got there. And we're overlooking a field with all the kids out there playing in the field after their schooling for that day. And of course, they're playing soccer. And as I looked closer and got down close to them, I realized that their ball, it was just tied up shopping bags. 
That's all they had. And they spent hours. And they were so happy. They were content. And I look at my life and this culture and we're never satisfied. We always want more. And we struggle with, God, just thank you for what you've given me today. But God always comes through for us. And we read it all throughout the Bible. He comes through yesterday, today, and forever. Look at this verse in Hebrews 13, 8. Here's the reality that we need to know. Jesus Christ, it's written, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He was always is, always was, and always will be. He is there. But what does this mean? I mean, this is a great verse, exciting verse, but what does this mean? Who really is God? Because many of us tend to read the Old Testament and we just view God as an angry, miserable God creator that's high up, up in the sky. Then we read the New Testament and we feel, oh, there, God is love. God is good. Jesus came through. But they are the same. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever, forevermore. And we tend to use God's term a bit loosely as well today. In all reality, we want God to be whatever we want him to be. And for some of us, all God is is simply a higher power. That's all he is. Or for others, he's just a feeling of goodness. For some, he's many gods and many forms. But we need to answer the question, who is God? Because I don't believe we can fully understand his will or can, we can fully engage his goodness without knowing who he is. It all starts there. And there are some basic truths about the reality of who God is that we cannot overlook. I just want to spend some short time with you investigating. The first is this. God is creator. He's the creator. The Bible is written in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Everything exists because of him. God took absolutely nothing and created everything, which is truly amazing. He created all this stuff. And because he is creator, he is the ultimate authority over his creation. You know, the development of robots and computers have been amazing things. But ultimately, all robots and all computers, are, have, we have authority over them. We rule them. We tell them what to do. We give it the input so it can manage and do what it's supposed to do. And God works the same way. He is the creator that provides the input how his creation ought to work and to manage. But don't miss a very important point in this, that verse. It said, all things have been created through him and for him. Creation was not for us. We are not the center of his creation. See, God created all that is to reveal his glory and to magnify his name. That's why he created everything. I mean, just take a look at our galaxy. 
We often view ourselves as the center of everything that is and the center of creation, but we're not. You know, Earth is a part of the Milky Way galaxy, just a small part of the reality and the expanse of everything that is in the, the expanse of the sky and space. And within the Milky Way galaxy, all Earth is, is, is this part of the arm of the galaxy, Orion's arm. That's all it is. And you go into our solar system, you would think, well, Earth is the center of our solar system, but it is not. It's not even the center of our solar system. The sun is the center that all the planets revolve and evolve around the sun. And then within this creation that is known as Earth, there are humans, there are people. And it is estimated in 2018, there is 7.63 billion people on this planet. We're not the center of his creation. We exist because of him and for him. All things were created for him. He is the creator. Let's move on. Secondly, God is savior. He's the savior. 1 John 4.10 puts it this way. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. You see, God is all about love. And the reality of love is revealed through sacrifice. That's what God did for us. He gave everything up so that we have the opportunity to live with him for all eternity. We went against God's path, but because he loves us, he provided a way to save us. You know, as a father, I learned about this reality with my boys. You know, I want to protect them. And to be honest, if the need ever arise, I would give up my life to save them. And that's what God did for us. He saw we were going down a bad path and he came to save us. The next is God is protector. He's the protector. Psalm 18 verse 2 puts it this way. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me, and my place of safety. He's our rock. Where do you find safety? Where do you search for safety? You know, we all have a safe place in our lives. Every one of us. I know some of you guys want to be tough guys, but the reality is we all seek a safe place in our life. And unfortunately, sometimes our safe place is not too safe in all reality. As a kid growing up, a show I used to love to watch was Unsolved Mysteries. Anybody ever watch that? I think it was on Wednesday nights, and I loved that show, but it scared me to death. It just did. And I don't know where my parents were, but I remember on dark nights, I would turn that show on, and I just could not get enough of it, but it scared me so much because every time I watched it, I thought whoever I was watching was watching me from the window that was on the door. <laughs> so what I would do is I would go turn on the TV, and then I would go into our dining room, which was right adjacent with our living room, and I would go underneath the table so I could watch the show, but felt in my safe place for, for the big bad guy that was watching me through the window. We all have a safe place, don't we? What if we make God truly our safe place? He is our rock. He is our protector. If we just trust him enough, 
He is our safe place in this crazy, crazy world. Next, God is a provider. He is the provider. Philippians 4.19 puts it this way. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from those glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. God is the provider of all good things. You know, this past summer, my wife and I, we finally gave in. See, for the past couple of years, our boys have been begging and begging for a dog. And finally this year, we gave in and we got them a puppy. And we, we formed together as a family to say, okay, if we're going to get a puppy, we're going to train the puppy. Because you know what they say, a trained dog makes a happy dog and a happy home. And I want a happy home. And so we trained the dog. We watched the videos. We read the books. And do you know one of the first things you do in training the dog? You have them feed out of your hand. Why? Because what you're doing is you're building trust and helping them to learn that all good things come from you and only you. And so you build that trust over the first couple of weeks and them learning that you are the provider of all good things. Okay, I'm not calling you a dog. But we should look at God in a similar fashion. That all good things come from him and only from him. He is the provider. He is the source of life. If we just trust him enough to take care of our needs and to take care of us. You know, God is savior. He is protector. He is provider. He is all these things. And God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. You know what God really is? As the Bible teaches us, jot this down. God is the Father. He is the Son. And he is the Holy Spirit. This is known as the Trinity. You know, it is revealing that God is the creator. He is the Son that came to save us. And the Spirit that guides us and leads us. And there's been so many people that have been trying to explain what the Trinity is. But so difficult to understand it and the spiritual God in a physical world. But God is all this in one. He is God. In fact, 1 Peter 1 puts it this way. God the Father knew you and chose you long ago, and his Spirit has made you holy. As a result, you have obeyed him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more grace and peace. God is good. He's always been there. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And God ultimately reveals himself through his faithfulness. He always comes through. And you know what? Just as he came through thousands of years ago, just the way he comes through for us today, the best is yet to come. There's still more to come. Revelations 1 says this. Jesus said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, said the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I love those words that Jesus spoke in Revelation. Who is and who was and who is to come. You see, God has always come through. And the reality that he's proven himself to always come through, he reveals his faithfulness. God is faithful. And the best is yet to come. 
And because of that, jot this down in your notes. God's faithfulness gives us the ability to live completely dependent on him. Because we can trust him, because he is faithful, we can live dependent upon him. We can find the ability to rejoice always and give thanks in all circumstances because you know why? I depend on the creator, the provider, the protector, the savior, who was and who is and who is to come. He gives me the ability to rejoice and to give thanks. That's his will in our life. Why did Joseph not give into temptation and give up during his years in slavery? You know why? Because he knew God is faithful. Why did Moses not walk away when he faced hardships in the desert? Do you know why? Because he knew God is faithful. How did David find strength when he hid alone in those dark caves? His strength came through the understanding that God is faithful. Where do we find that strength? In the reality that God is faithful. Friends, God is faithful. And his faithfulness comes with good things. So many blessings. So much better than anything this world could ever provide. And because of this, we can truly be grateful. We can live in God's will to rejoice, to pray, and to give thanks. Look what's written in Hebrews 12. It's written, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Our God is good. He is a consuming fire. He is the provider of all good things. Do you trust him enough to come through? You know, the song that we just sang before we came into this message is a song, All I Can Do. And it says, if I could, if I, it would be, have been easy, but I'm glad you never walked away because your love runs deep for me and I see this beautiful world and it brings tears to my eyes and I think it's beautiful to be free. You know, we have freedom. We can rejoice. We can find the ability to give thanks. Why? because of his faithfulness.